0: Hi, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Malin, and I'm so excited to be here with you. So on today's episode, we're sharing tips on what to do when you lose interest in a project. We dive into how to keep tackling your projects during the busy holiday season, share a product we're loving now, and talk about why seeing an antique quilt in person gives you more hints at its history than just seeing a photo. And on this week's Getting Social, we chat with Megan Buchanan of Then Came June, who talks about her start in the quilting industry and the popularity of her Meadowland quilt. So let's dive in. We've all been there. You're working on a project and after making a few blocks, you get bored. Or you pull out a UFO that's a few years old and can't get yourself to work on it because you just don't love it anymore. But don't throw in the towel just yet. Jody Sanders, the editor of American Patchwork and Quilting, is here with me today and she has some great tips for what to do when you lose interest in a project.
1: Thanks, Lindsay. Now, don't feel bad about losing interest in that project. A simple mindset shift is all it can take to regain your interest or to use the parts in a way that you wouldn't expect. The first is to consider changing the color of the fabrics that you're using. So for example, if it's a two color quilt and you're bored, Add more fabrics, either in new blocks, or add color by using different color fabrics for the sashing, the borders, or the binding. Instead of a two-color quilt, now you have a multi-color quilt.
0: Great idea. I find especially with older UFOs the project may feature colors of fabric that you just don't love anymore or that don't match your decor so it's a great idea to add in more of the colors that you love
1: right and also if you use mostly traditional fabrics but now you're drawn to more modern bolder prints just make a couple of blocks with fabrics that you love now sometimes by cutting fabric into smaller pieces you're seeing the colors and not necessarily the print or the style of the fabric and if you like how they work together mix and match your styles. That allows you to now work with fabric that you currently love. I love
0: this idea. Mixing and matching different styles of fabric can make for a really interesting and scrappy quilt. And I often find that the fabrics you didn't necessarily love anymore become the ones that really make the finished quilt sparkle.
1: Right. And another thing I want you to think about is to set goals. So for example, if um, I'll make a certain number of blocks a week, then when you reach that goal, give yourself a prize, like a trip to the local quilt shop to buy more fabric. (laughs) You can also set goals like sewing for a certain amount of time during the day. Uh, Break down larger and overwhelming goals into smaller pieces that you feel like you can accomplish. And then that'll give you the drive you need to cross those projects off
0: your list. Exactly. Many people participate in things like a block of the months or quilt alongs where they already have those set deadlines for completing steps. So if you just give yourself that same sense of excitement and urgency with the projects you've lost interest in, it can help you
1: finish. And, you know, if you don't feel like spending more time or fabric on a particular project, you can use the parts and pieces that you have completed and you can make a mini quilt or a pillow or a bag that could be given away as a gift. The recipient will be thrilled and you can move on to something new without having any guilt of that lingering project. And If you don't think a
0: smaller project is right for those blocks, you can use them to practice your machine quilting. Simply layer the block on extra batting scraps and backing fabric and practice away. There's no stress of ruining a project you intend to keep.
1: And if you're still stalled, look for an online group that might be making the same or similar project because maybe others are stuck too and you can find some like-minded people to encourage or to cheer you on. Our UFO Challenge Facebook group just may be the perfect place to join other quilters who are looking for encouragement and help to finish their projects.
0: Yeah and later in the show we're going to talk about the UFO Challenge so stay tuned to hear more details if this type of online group is something you think you need.
1: And you know what, Lindsay? If all else fails, just give the project away. Someone else will appreciate having the head start on the project. There's lots of quilt guilds and quilt shops that collect unfinished projects for charity. Or maybe a friend admires the project and would love jumping in to help. Either way, you won't need to lose sleep about the project anymore. Now, Lindsay, do you have some projects that you've lost interest in and that you want to share? Yep. So, uh, I've been working on the
0: on the bright side quilt from the February 2017 issue of American Patchwork and Quilting since it came out and I've joined now two different quilt quilt alongs to finish this quilt and I still have not made much progress and I love the fabrics I love the finished quilt and I joined the online groups to keep myself accountable and just nothing has worked to keep me on track. Usually I love projects like this because I enjoy the process of quilting, but for some reason I'm just like losing focus on it. I think it's because this quilt has what seems like a million flying geese units and they're made with the tiniest pieces. So the process hasn't been quite as enjoyable for me right now. So I think I need to use your tip of breaking down the pattern week by week with goals and rewards to help myself move forward with it. And I think I need to put a few blocks together because right now I'm stuck making flying geese. And I think I need to see my progress and see the blocks forming so that it gives me the encouragement to uh, see what I'm making and move forward. What about you, Jodi? Any projects you're stuck on right now?
1: Well, I kind of hate to admit this one, but I started a Dear Jane quilt in 1999, so 20 years ago. Um, I have started blocks in reproduction fabrics, I started blocks in batiks, and I have a third version in Christmas fabrics. I think what I need to do now is kind of take my own advice and focus on one style so that I can move forward. I still love the quilt so much, so I'm not ready to give it away at this point, but I definitely need to refocus and get started back in those blocks because I do love the Dear Jane quilt.
0: Yeah, I think we would love to hear what our readers are stuck on and why they think they're stuck. So if you wanted to reach out to us at apqpodcast at meredith.com, that email, we're just interested in why you're stuck and see if we can help you. Thanks so much, Jody. We'll be back after this quick ad break. I'm back with Jodi for What We're Loving, a segment where we share the trend, pattern, person, or other sewing item we're
1: loving right now. So, Jody, what are you loving? Well, what I'm loving right now is pre-cut pieces from PaperPieces.com. I've been traveling quite a bit recently, and I always like to have a handwork project with me. Seems that flying or traveling is not easy these days and there's sometimes a delay or something that uh, just takes longer than we think and so it's always nice to have a little bit of handwork in a baggie with me. I've been into English paper piecing and I love working with different shapes but tracing those uh, shapes on templates can sometimes be time-consuming and the pre-cut pieces make that prep work so much easier and it allows me to get to the part that I love best picking the fabrics and sewing them together much faster.
0: I love it. I recently bought some for a thimble quilt I'm making, and it worked out so great. Next, Jody will be doing Collector's Corner, a segment where we explore antique quilts or supplies and their history.
1: I love vintage fabrics, and I especially like late 19th century and early 20th century fabrics. I'm a quilt collector, but I'm also a collector of vintage quilt tops. And I especially love ones with lots of different fabrics in them. Now I want to be knowledgeable about the time periods and being able to accurately identify if a quilt is actually a vintage quilt or a reproduction quilt. Sometimes people will say to me, why would you pay money for just a quilt top? It doesn't have batting. It doesn't have backing. It's not quilted. And if it's poorly constructed, they're really indignant. What a waste of money. But for me, it's not necessarily about the end result of making the quilt, but it's about studying the fabrics in the quilt. As I mentioned earlier, I like tops with lots of different fabrics. For me, the more the merrier. A vintage quilt top can be like a textbook of a particular time in history. For example, let's take a look at the color gray. Gray is a really popular uh, color in quilts today, but it was also popular over a hundred years ago. It was thought that Queen Victoria, who wore black mourning clothes from the time of Prince Albert's death in 1861 until her death 40 years later, influenced the popularity of black, gray, and purple of that time period. Now, that can help date a quilt top. When you look at vintage grays carefully, some are actually a black ground with a white print or vice versa. You might not be able to see that in a photograph, in a book, or online, but if you actually have the fabric in front of you, you can see that level of detail. Motifs, uh, in particular colors, can also help us a quilt. For example, paisleys and madder browns were popular in the last quarter of the 19th century. Conversation prints with horses or children riding bicycles also tell us a bit about the time when the quilt might have been made. Now, again, I can look through books and I can browse through the web, but there's nothing like really getting up close and personal with that fabric to study the nuances of the color and the print. So, before you decide not to bother looking at a vintage top wadded up in the corner at a garage sale or flea market, pick it up, spread it out. Maybe it's just a treasure waiting to be found.
0: Thanks so much, Jody. Now I'm joined by Doris Brunette, the editor of Quilt Sampler Magazine for the UFO Challenge, a segment where we address common finishing problems so you can complete your UFOs. Hi
2: Doris. Hi Lindsay, thanks for having me. Today I wanna talk about tips for keeping up with your UFOs during the upcoming busy holiday season it's kind of hard to stick with if you've been working on one every month. Sometimes it can be kind of hard during those busy times to stick with the schedule that you've been following all year long. So we've just got a couple of tips for you. The first one, of course, and you hear this tip all the time with being more productive with your sewing, is to keep your sewing room or your sewing area tidy. And it really does make a big difference. If you clean it up a little bit after each session of sewing, it's going to help when you come back to dive right back into your project and not have to like put things away then or find things or just get discouraged to walk away because things are a mess. I tend to lose my rotary cutter underneath thrown away fabric all the time if I don't, uh, or not tossed aside fabric I should say, if I don't um, clean it up right away. So it's always a good idea.
0: And I think too, if you are having company during the holidays, just keeping things tidy means you have less cleaning to do right. of your sewing space, especially if it's a public space or a shared right. space. Right, you don't on. have a door
2: that you can just pull closed. Keeping it tidy will save you a lot of uh, stress, <laughs> last minute stress, <laughs> if uh, some friends drop by or something. Yep. So. Another tip would be to have your UFOs organized, and we've talked about this before in our podcast. It really comes in handy, especially if you have like that light bulb idea that you've got that impossible to buy for a person on your list and oh my goodness hey that flannel quilt that I started you know a year and a half ago that's in the UFO pile would be perfect for so and so. If you have it organized and you know where they are you can go pull it and not spend you know like if you're like me when I'm missing something you go for a week (laughs) trying to find something and often give up in frustration. So knowing where all those things are and being able to easily put your hand on them will help. And then finding little pockets of time to sit down and sew I think is important, especially during the holiday season. A lot of people are stressed out or get stressed out about things over the course of the holiday season. So it can be therapeutic for you to sit down and sew and quilt. So even if you find just a little bit of time here and there, take a project with you that needs some binding finished on it. Um, if you have to go sit and wait for your kids to come out of school or practice, sit in that car line and wait, um, have some hand sewing like that with you. Or you got dinner in the oven and, um, you know, it's timed for 45 minutes, uh, set a little alarm on your phone for 35 to 40 minutes and go to your sewing area and sew and, you know, go back and check on dinner after that. So you'll be happy to have squeezed in a little bit of time just to relax and put your mind on something different. Yes. I, I would like to put on a Hallmark movie, make a cup of hot cocoa, and right.
0: just relax for a little bit.
2: Yeah, exactly. If you have a TV in your area, that's kind of nice to put something on or even, you know, have your iPad or phone playing something, relaxing Christmas music, whatever might cheer you up. Mm-hmm. So. And if you happen to have a little extra time off of work during the season and fewer family obligations, some people that don't have kids, they have a lot more time on their hands, maybe you can use that extra time to finish two UFOs this month instead of one and gift that extra one. So that would give you an extra feeling of completion and your generosity will be appreciated by somebody who really needs that warm gift.
0: Yeah, and if you start now and you're doing two this month and then maybe you don't need to do any UFO sewing for December. That's right.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And then my last tip is just to remember to be realistic. I know a lot of people who... a lot of pressure on themselves to gift handmade and their lists are super long and so they're very stressed like trying to get sewing done every day, every night, after work, whatever it might be, after the kids go to bed. Just be realistic about how many handmade gifts you can really do. If you have a UFO to finish up, you know, that would make a great gift for someone specific, make that a priority and finish it. But also I think it's always a good idea to have like in the back of your mind a backup gift, even if it's a gift card or something for that person, just in case something goes awry with making the project, you never know, and avoid yourself that uh, undue stress and worry in the 11th hour. And it's totally okay. There's nothing wrong with that. The person that you're giving the gift to probably didn't know you were intending to give them something uh, handmade anyway, and they'll appreciate the gift and the thought no matter what.
0: Yeah, before I've done where I have not finished the quilt, but I have given them a picture of where The quilt is now with a little note saying, like, this is your gift. It will be coming to you soon. Yes. (laughs) And I have
2: actually wrapped up a partially finished quilt before (laughs) with with a note in it that I need to take it back home with me to finish (laughs) it up. But here's where it's at. And you can do that with people that are, you know, close to you that, you know, they'll completely understand. So. Perfect. Thank you so much for
0: those tips. Hopefully that helps our readers accomplish things during the holidays, but also take some of the stress off. Yeah, definitely. So on this segment, the first Monday of every month, we always share our new UFO challenge number for those of you who are participating in our UFO challenge. And November's number is two. And if you're participating, that means you know December's number because there's only one number left after this. <laughs> so now you know which two quilts you have to work on for the rest of the year. And if you're interested in joining, you can just su- search for American Patchwork and Quilting UFO Challenge on Facebook or hop on our website at allpeoplequilt.com slash resolution. We're starting a whole new challenge in the year 2020. So if you join now, you can uh, kind of see how it works before you jump in if you're not already a member. We'll be back after this quick ad break.
3: Welcome to Getting Social with Jess. I'm your host, Jess Ziegler. I am so excited to present to you my conversation with Megan. She'll respond to June Buchanan. (laughs) Yep, you guessed it. She's the designer behind the Powerhouse brand, then came June. I have been lucky enough to do some quilting work for Megan over the years, and I was really excited to talk to her about her most popular pattern ever, Meadowland. Uh, for a while there was a running joke that I've quilted more metal quilts than any other pattern, and it's not even close. It's an instant classic for sure, and it blows my mind that it's only been out a little over a year. Um, so to see more of Megan's work, look for her on Instagram. She's at June, and also her website is com. I hope you enjoy this conversation. I know I sure did. Welcome to the show, Megan.
4: Thank you, Jess. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Um, Well, you
3: just start out by, well, first of all, you'll have to explain your business name, Then Came June. Where does that come from? And then I want like a short background of your personal life, sewing life, whatever you'd like to give us.
4: Sure. So my company name is Then Came June. My name is not June. (laughs) I do answer to June though now because people call me that. Um, but it's Megan. And when I kind of started to decide, like, I want to make this sewing adventure a business, I wanted it to have a little bit of meaning without it, you know, cause it's like when you get a tattoo, people always ask, why did you get that tattoo? And so I wanted it to be something that I felt comfortable sharing and like made sense. And so the reason I had gotten into sewing was cause I had my son And I struggled with the transition of motherhood and postpartum depression and quilting is kind of what helped me find my way through it all. And so I was kind of thinking, like, how could I tie in that whole aspect of my life with my name? And my son was born in June and that's when my life changed for good and bad at the time. (laughs) And good overall, you know, so that's how I came up with the name is then came June, that's when my life changed. And then background, I have one older brother, and we moved a little bit growing up. So I was actually my childhood, I view as in Phoenix, Arizona, I lived there till I was 10. Then we did five years in Houston, Texas. And then we moved here to Oregon. And I've been in Oregon now half my life, and I consider Oregon home. I've always been into interiors, anything to do with furniture and painting and any kind of interiors work. I went to school for merchandising management, and my emphasis was on interiors. And I thought I wanted to be a visual merchandiser. And my dream was always to work on like catalog shoots, specifically like holiday ones, you know, so like for Crate and Barrel, you make this beautiful scene and I would be part of the set display design and make it like look like a different world but that didn't end up happening and um instead I somehow stumbled upon quilting I never would have imagined it because I didn't grow up around quilters my mom sewed growing up but it would be like a Halloween costume here a pillow there maybe some drapes but Never a quilt, but it's kind of the perfect combo of my business sided mind, which really likes black and white. And so, like, the math of quilting and doing formatting on a page, you know, for my patterns to the create the other half that I love, the creative side with playing with color and being able to play with shapes and make something look aesthetically pleasing. And so, that's kind of like a little bit of the background of, you know, where I was raised and then just kind of how I got into it. I would never have thought of myself to be a quilter, but looking at like what my, where my interests lie, it makes like all the sense in the world to me now.
3: Totally. So cool. So let's just talk about Meadowland.
4: So did Meadowland come in June too? It did. <laughs> that's what it is. Maybe that's what it should be. The month of June should be like my Meadowland month or something. Yeah. So I released it last June, which would be 2018. And it is insane. It's just yes. taking on a life of itself own this I remember making it being like holy crap I really like this block and just being like kind of shocked in the fact that I really liked it and then I was like I hope people like it I don't know and then this also is my first real crazy quilts in the wild session I had a lot of times I love taking photos outside and for this specific first quilt I woke up my husband and my son at 4am and put them in the car and we drove an hour and 15 minutes away to catch sunrise with like on the Columbia. Columbia Gorge, Sunrise, all the wildflowers, and got coffee and drove home, and Luke went to work that day at 8 (laughs) a.m. Oh, my gosh. I'm pretty sure people thought I was insane, but I feel like that started it all. You know, like, just my love of it from the start was very pure, and I was just so excited, and people have latched onto it, and it's crazy. I get sent pictures all the time, or, like, I'll randomly see things on Pinterest, Or people will be at quilt shows and their Meadowlands hanging on display. And yeah, it's wild. Everywhere. So... So well done. Thank you. I just worked so hard to get it released. Luckily, it, I mean, it's by far my most popular pattern, like by a million. I've had quilt friends being like, what do you think it was? Like, what was that combo to make metal? Tell me, into-? tell me. <laughs> so it's really, I'm just a genius. No. <laughs> so I think it was a lot of things. I think the fact that it's fat quarter friendly or half yard friendly. So it's really easy for shops to kit and it's mix and match. So here's some of my like, behind the scenes I call quilt intelligence with designing and releasing is I luckily have had such a great relationship with Modern Domestic here in Portland and they're a modern woman run quilt shop who both of the um, owners have been in the industry for a long time have worked with distributors so they have like back-end experience that they were able to share with me from the start, like from the very start of me designing my first pattern to encouraging me on how to price it. Like when I went into paper patterns and here's like the store's perspective on how we set, like, you know, how we make money. Right. And one of the big things is say you have a quilt pattern that has, you need five fabrics and they're all different cuts, you know, half yard, quarter yard, five eighths, whatever. When a customer is in the store, they have to make a game time decision that this fabric is going to be the pop of color, the small color. This fabric going to be the all over color and they don't have freedom to change their mind. So they go home and then they start cutting the fabric, realizing like, oh man, I actually really think I wanted this one. So they have to go back to the store, recut fabric, or they just never end up making the project or they get overwhelmed in the store mm-hmm. and be like, I'm going to go home think about it and then they don't come back they don't make that sale because it's too overwhelming for the customer so i think with meadowland it's mix and match which means pick your 10 colors it could be any 10 colors you don't have to decide right now what piece they're going to be but just make sure you like your fabrics in general so i think that's a big plus with any mix and match pattern is the fact that it's really easy for stores to kit it's really easy for a customer to make that decision in a store in online shopping, just adding stuff to their cart, um, And then they have the freedom at home to change their minds without it being this big ordeal. I think it's that to me, there's outside of the background fabric, there's three colors in a block, which I think is appealing to people. Um, I think it's aesthetically pleasing to not it's not just two. So it's not equally contrasting colors. So you get to play with darks and lights and mediums, you get to play with something popping in one block and then it retreating in another block meadowland doesn't have sashing which i think is i'm like a love-hate relationship with sashing i think it's totally necessary for some patterns but it's my least favorite thing to do because i'm like all my actual work's done now i have to just sew all these stupid strips together just borders more borders annoying fabric. like. <laughs> and so I think that's a big plus is there's no sashing. I think the other thing with Meadowlands that maybe is what lends it to being a popular pattern is your fabrics get to be displayed a little bit more because they're larger cuts. Your chunks. Yeah. 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 Being able to see it, see a lot of what you're using instead of like wasting a ton of the fabric, but yeah. And then I think it was truly timing. Like I made a lot of options. I made, I think before my pattern released, I made, three to four meadowlands just promoting and then I had so many quilters and I think that's what you know, so many people saw like, Oh, my gosh, I thought this was my favorite. and I just saw this person post this one. And now I love that. And I think it was kind of like a perfect storm of that aspect. And it being summertime, like into summer, it's a quick sew. it's kind of an addicting block to make. And I think I lucked out. But after I released it in June of last year, that was my highest sales month I'd ever had. And it just like, Kept going and kept going and kept going, and I kept going, like kind of moving on. Like I had other things going on, I had other patterns to release, and I had all the sew-alongs that were starting for the holiday collection we had released in April. Yeah, and it was just going, and I never had an opportunity to stop and be like, Hey, you guys love Meadowland so much, let's do a sew-along for it. And so when that started, I think I announced that in January of this year. In January is my highest sales month I'd ever had after I released it, and I ended up having close to 3000 people sewing along with me it was like the second I had the opportunity to really be like hey you guys have definitely shown you you love this pattern like how about we like really look at it now and I give you you know when I write a pattern I try my hardest to make it clear how I made it look how I made it look. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of what I'm doing plays with color, plays with gradients, plays with this fabric needs to be more dominant than this one to get the overall look. Like the instructions, easy peasy, you can make it. But it's been clear to me through a lot of help of testers, too, if they're like, you know, I started making it, but I realized that it didn't look like you because you didn't give clear instructions of maybe this color has to be the more dominant one to get the aesthetic look of what I'm doing and so I try to be as clear as I can about kind of color placement and how to pair colors and how to work with them in the pattern itself but then I take it to a whole nother level when I am doing a sew along and I'm trying to give them kind of theory like how I really look at the world and how I look at color and how I play with fabrics and and I spent a lot of time doing that with Meadowland um during the sew along this spring and then it's just it has just taken off like it's everywhere when you said you released it last June it feels Like it's been around forever, you know? It's like, I, it still still like shocks me to this day, like how much, and the fact that, I mean, I know this isn't truth, but there's so many people I feel like this is the pattern that no one just makes once. Oh yeah. I'm pretty sure everybody has made two of them. Like unless they just finished their first one, they've at least made a second one because it's so fulfilling and it's easy to take your stash out. And the fact they do give you some scrappy instructions and um yeah, I can't believe. Yeah. So it's been like a little over a year that it's been out. Well, what's crazy too about Meadowland is, so I had that sew along in the spring. And when I did a poll for the sew along for the fall, what I've decided instead, instead of like just doing so longs whenever or whenever a pattern releases is I'm just going to do probably two a year like a then came June spring so long and it then came June fall so along and kind of let people vote like what's the next pattern you guys really want to do instead of it being like correlating to a certain pattern and so I didn't include Meadowland with the fall option because we had just done it but Like, a few weeks later, I had people asking, like, are you going to do another Meadowland Sew Along? Like, I didn't get to join the first time because it did, like, you know, it's kind of snowballed and now all these people found me from it. It's definitely, if anyone's going to buy a pattern from me as their first pattern, it's probably 80% going to be Meadowland. And there was, like, I think I took a story being, like, would you guys want another, like, if I made it, like, an annual Sew Along, like the Meadowland Sew Along? And overwhelmingly, yes, which shocked me. I was, like, What? Like people still want to keep making it, or they want to oh, yeah. do it again, and so that's what's so wild to me. But I I am still just so amazed that because a lot of people you can see I don't know if people know this, but I can see who says yes and no to like stories oh, yeah, you know whatever. And so many of them I know participated in the last one, and I was like, dang, people really love solo hunts. <laughs>
3: True story uh, I've really enjoyed talking to you everybody if you haven't checked out Meadowland what are you waiting for you're <laughs> you're missing out are you are you even a quilter do you yeah. even quilt bro <laughs> oh, oh,
4: man.
3: oh well yeah. thanks for joining us.
4: Thank you, Jess. thanks for having me.
3: Megan is such an exciting designer who isn't afraid of going bold. We've joked before that as me as a quilter, I'm always trying to play it safe and never detract from the piecing. And she is more of a go big or go home kind of a person, which makes collaborating with her really fun. Uh, Her patterns are generally fast finishes and the way she helps guide quilters through color and fabric selection, I think is a huge bonus, especially if you're a beginning quilter. So make sure to check out her work if you haven't already. Um, And thanks so much for listening today. If you'd like to reach out to me, I'm Jess and I can be found at Threaded Quilting on Instagram. So come say hi. I hope you have a wonderful
0: week. Before we leave today, I wanted to quickly highlight a review of our podcast. So this one came from Nancy H. 1211, and she says, A few months ago, I began listening to podcasts daily, and it was only a matter of time before I came across American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I have enjoyed their magazine since I began quilting, and I love that it has evolved with the times while staying true to its roots. I now listen as I start my day and always when I'm in the car. I'm currently back to the archives in 2016. I might be the only one at the gym brushing up on organization tips while I burn those donuts off. Thanks for everything you do to keep the content fresh and fun and for bringing the crafting greats to us. Thank you so much, Nancy, for your very kind review. Um, so if you want to please reach out to us at apqpodcast at meredith.com, we can send you a little gift. And remember, if you love this podcast, please leave us a review. We may feature yours on an upcoming show.